Okay, Freilichen Purim Katan. Freilichen Shushan Purim Katan. As we said, Toiv Leiv Mishtatamid. A good heart means you're always parting. Always. Always. We're just looking for an excuse. Like they say in Israel, Siba la Misiba. We just want a reason to rejoice. So, Hashem gave us a reason, the calendar gave us a reason, and we should, we should use it. We should find lots and lots and lots of reasons to rejoice and to feel, to feel how close, how close Hashem is to all of us and how good He is to all of us. So we are continuing the Benoni's travails here. The Benoni afflicted, he's still Benoni, he hasn't fallen yet. To be, lose his status as Benoni, he has to do a sin. He has to do something wrong, or say something wrong, or most likely think something wrong. He hasn't done that yet, but if he doesn't do something quickly, he probably will. Because he stops caring. And when you stop caring, everything else falls apart. It just is a question of how long. So his first steps off, like not pushing himself to sanctify himself, not pushing himself and his intention in prayer, those aren't sins. It's not a transgression. But it's, it's a beginning to deviate off the path. So the strategy that we are using here, the first strategy is thinking thoughts that if you really, really care about your relationship to Hashem, these thoughts really would emotionally break you if you're a Benoni. And we said for ourselves, we do not have to literally think these four thoughts, but for each one of us to find that peace in ourselves that we can realize is not as holy as we like to think we are. That's basically the point. And when we focus on that peace, it's not as holy as, as where I'd like to be, and to really think about it in a way that makes me feel very emotionally broken for the goal of breaking the animal, for the goal of freeing the godly energy to shine. Because when my godly energy shines, I care. This is definitely not our normal approach. You know, normal Tanya, Hasidus, you know, warm and nurturing and positive. Oh, you have struggles, that's great. God loves it. You're giving him a lot of pleasure. All of your struggles are giving so much great freedom to goodness in this world. And that's true. But in the context of this chapter, we're being exploiters, so to speak. We're exploiting our weakness to utilize it as a catalyst for me to emotionally break self, break my heart, to break down that animal. Even though normally, and the normal is true, Every one of those weaknesses is truly a means of me serving Hashem with each and every struggle. So we said so far two ideas. The first idea was, my gosh, you desire things that God does not approve of, that God abhors. You don't do it. You don't say it. You don't think it. But you would desire it? Wow, you're off. And that's a very breaking thought for someone that has those desires. We said, well, what do we want to have those desires? So the next level of thought was, think of the sins of your youth. Think of the sins of the past that you've completely repented for. But they're still lurking in the background, unless you did a high-level tshuva me'ahava, tshuva ila'ah. They're still there. And they can still come back to haunt you. If you have grown spiritually, then the, your tshuva has to catch up with you. The depth of your tshuva has to be commensurate with the heights of your spirituality. 
So those sins of your youth, though you did atone for them, but maybe now they're back. And that actually could be the reason why you have this sudden blockage and you don't feel caring for God now. Maybe it's because those sins came back and they're blocking and obstructing you. Or we said, even maybe your truth was good enough. They still came back to haunt you because God knows you can give him so much more and God knows you could become so much more of a person, so much more connected to him. And that's the reason for this process. Today, we give two other additional thoughts. Because what if someone doesn't really have those sins of his youth that he can remember that he's like, oh my gosh, they're still around? You don't really have that on your conscience. So someone who's clean of those severe sins of youth, I mean, you weren't perfect, you weren't born a Benoni, but there's nothing now that you can think back at at your age, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, that like strikes you as like something that truly wasn't evil that could truly be an obstruction for your soul. Nothing, nothing worth noting so many years later. So now we're going to go to a more refined concept. It says in the Zohar that a person should be a master accountant. What does it mean a master accountant? It means, the term in the Zohar means when you're the accountant of your own books, like you're the master, it's your money, and you're the accountant. Because if you're the accountant of your own books, you really care. If you're working for someone else, whatever the, the you know, as long as you're still paying your salary, as long as the firm isn't going to fold, I don't know how much it bothers you, the losses, or how exuberant you are over the gains, unless you're going to personally benefit or get hurt in either way. But if it's your money, if you're a master accountant, every nuance makes a tremendous difference. So be a master accountant... What are the accounts we're looking at? What are we scrutinizing? Scrutinizing yourself. You are scrutinizing everything you've ever done, everything you've ever said, everything you've ever thought, as far back as you can go. Every single thing you can remember, was it on the side of godliness or the opposite? Now, why do I need to think of every single thought? Was it holy or not? Like, okay, yeah, actually, I remember three years ago there was something not so holy. I mean, so? Person could have long-term consequences very significant. Because everything that's not from the side of holiness, that's on the other side, every thought, every word, every action, is being energized from a chamber above, a hankal, a spiritual source. When you open yourself up to that spiritual source, there's now a link, even if you don't want one, between you and that chamber. And therefore, it can continue to send you unwanted energies. Sort of like if you could imagine, let's say a person never, never, whatever, never said Lashon Hara, never touched their cell phone on Chavez, never ate milk when they were playing chicks. If you never did it, the concept is, as we say, mufrah. It's taboo. You're not going to do it. You don't do it. It's forbidden. But if you break down that barrier, and you do it once, suddenly now it has a grip on you, meaning it now moves from impossible to possible. So once it's possible, you struggle a lot more with it. If it's forbidden, it's forbidden. It's gone. Nothing to talk about. If it's potentially possible that I would do this, then I'm struggling a lot. 
we can understand that in a practical reality because that's our world. On a spiritual level, the reason why that's our world is because every time you open yourself up to a transgression, the spiritual source of that transgression, the heichal, the chamber of that energy, now has a latch on you. And it's going to continue to send you its unwanted energies. So therefore, the Rebbe is saying, scrutinize yourself. Everything you can go, as far back as you can go. How far can you go? Who knows? It depends on you. It depends on the clarity of your thoughts, of your memory. The Rebbe Ayat tells us memories of himself when he was in, in a crib. He remembers, I think it was a blanket, something from the crib fell on the floor, and he started crying to alert the members of his household because he was sure that blanket, let's say, was in pain and needed to be picked up. So that's a pretty young memory. And yet he remembered it. Maybe he can remember as far back as when you were two. A lot of people can remember as far back as two if there was something that you could mark as a two-year-old memory. We, we tend to think we can't remember anything. We really can. Far more than we think. And the other thing, if you really scrutinize yourself, really think, you can find a lot to, even a person who doesn't have any severe sins to remember, who doesn't have desires that are antagonistic to Hashem's will. But if you think of all your actions, thoughts, and words, you probably can come up with what to break yourself over. That is the third of these four thoughts. Tomorrow, we will give the fourth thought. And of course, because it's Wednesday, we will actually finish the chapter, which means we're going to do an entire other strategy, how to remove this symptom leave. The Rebbe gives three, two in chapter 29 and one in chapter 30, I guess the fact that he's giving three shows it's a really significant illness because we're going to work all different ways to get rid of it. We can also see it's a very serious illness by the fact that, as we said, the Rebbe is willing for you to have the aftermath of sadness. At least you should get rid of this, which is worse. And I think each strategy is for a different type. So this strategy, I think, is very good for someone who's very strong in terms of their thoughts or their imaginations, someone who their mental world is very, very real. They can really, really think into these ideas and really feel the pain of the distance from Hashem that you have that you didn't realize because if you're a Vainoni or you're, if you're us, where you, most of us think of ourselves as oh, we're very good people. So if you can think of the pain of that distance, it can be very breaking. The next strategy that we'll discuss tomorrow, I think, is very good for very emotional people. It could be it's a very passionate strategy, and it's really good for someone who has a lot of emotion. They can vent in the strategy. So to be continued, and a Freilichen, Purim, Katham, and Shushan Purim.